stewardess for TWA, but the right way, with her wholesome family and Jackie Kennedy's wardrobe. Good news, baby, Leo said. He exhaled a gale of cigarette smoke. I just lunched with the actress from Breakfast at Tiffany's, and you, my lovely wife, are now the owner of an autographed picture that reads, Best Wishes Gloria, Audrey Hepburn. Neat, Gloria said, twirling the telephone cord around her finger. And what time will you and my autograph be home for dinner? I'm making your favorite. About that. Gloria's smile fell. Not again, she thought. Please, not again. But Leo's hands were tied. The powers that be needed their golden boy to charm some stubborn young starlet into submission. Dinner, drinks, whatever it took to close the deal by Monday. Michael's cries grew shrill, desperate. Does that mean another night at the Biltmore Hotel? Gloria asked. Leo struck a match. I'm sorry, baby. As usual, Gloria said she understood. Only after the line went dead did she stab her thumbnail in the thawing pot roast and brand it with a pout. She wanted to tell her friends the truth, that Leo had not been home in two nights, and she was lonely. Then they could smoke cigarettes and say all the right things until Gloria felt better, just like they had in high school when Leo was busy with water polo and forgot to call. But Miss Matrimony, the marriage columnist in A Lady's Life magazine, forbade it. Dear wives, she once wrote, kindly remind all prying busybodies that husbands expect their private lives to remain private. If it's female support you're after, try the new Merry Widow by Warners. For $16.50, it will whittle your waist and give you a lovely lift. Available in white, black, and beige. What's wrong? Dot asked, her full cherry chapstick lips puffed to a sympathetic pout. Is everything okay? Leo was thinking about me, that's all. Gloria managed a breezy smile. You gals get started, I'll be right there. Dot and Liddy took their platters into the sunroom, while Marjorie, not keen on following orders, lifted herself onto the cooking island, leaned back on her hands and crossed her bare legs. Her cleavage, upthrust and crevasse deep, was like an oversized change purse positioned to catch pennies from heaven. Now, why did he really call? Gloria crunched down on a celery stick. I told you. Marjorie sighed. An auburn curl, one of the many to have freed itself from her too loose to begin with updo, stirred and settled on her cheek. I know what will make you talk. She was back on her feet, opening and closing cabinets. Where do you keep the Smirnoff? She asked, as if anyone would store liquor with the Lennox China. Vodka? It's 11.30 in the morning. Wow, motherhood has turned someone into a real drag, Marjorie reported to a studio audience that wasn't there. Then, glimpsing the clock above the breakfast nook, she clacked across the checkerboard tiles, removed it from the wall, and hung it upside down. There, now it's five o'clock. Might as well add some vermouth and olives while you're at it. I like mine dirty. She lifted her store-bought macaroni salad, bumped open the sunroom door with her shapely bottom, and slipped out.
The girls were seated at the Formica table in their usual spots, Marjorie at the head, Dot and Liddy on either side of her, with the butt, as they liked to call it, reserved for Gloria. Typically, the sun burned through the marine layer by lunchtime, but that afternoon, fog, silver as their rising cigarette smoke, blurred the palm trees that stretched above the vaulted glass ceiling and blocked their view of the outside world. Who's thirsty? Gloria asked, as if offering tang, not crystal martini glasses sloshing vodka and vermouth. Finally, Marjorie said, let's get blitzed. Dot gasped. Before guiding light? Liddy pinched the crucifix she'd been wearing around her neck since her 12th birthday. You can't be serious. Mon dieu, Marjorie said, having just returned from her first transatlantic flight to Paris. The French always drink at lunch.